engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is a new movie coming out. No, I'm not talking about Endgame. I I will be at Endgame, but nope, I'm not talking about that one. I am talking about a new short film, a supposed documentary on voter suppression in Georgia in 2018. A a progressive activist has decided to make a short film. uh, And, of course, liberals everywhere are are delighted. I'm sure it'll be nominated for probably win an Academy Award even because liberals love this sort of thing. It is amazing to me the mythology that Democrats are hanging on to in 2018 in Georgia. So many of the complaints of the Democrats about how voters were suppressed in overwhelmingly black counties in Georgia as proof that Brian Kemp stole the election are oblivious to the fact that it is local counties that actually run their elections. So if voters were suppressed in predominantly black counties by Democrats, well, it was the local Democratic counties that were doing it, not Brian Kemp. And yet they don't want, they hand wave all of that away. I mean, you, you heard Stacey Abrams uh, a week ago or so waving it all away with Hillary Clinton. How could she say the vote was suppressed when she got more votes in Georgia than Hillary Clinton? Oh, well, because six million people should be able to vote in Georgia. Well, six million people, no one ever has 100% of their voter rolls turnout, particularly in an off-year election. It's stupid, and yet uh, Democrats are treating it as if it's a serious thing, and now they're going to have a myth-making movie come out because they're not really concerned about the truth. They're concerned about fundraising off mythology. We're seeing this with the Mueller report as well, which we will get into. The big news, though, out today, I think, is Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and the like, they're all coming out for student loan forgiveness plans. They want to forgive Anyone who has a student loan, uh, you can stop paying your loan and the government will get rid of it for you, which is a policy that does not address the underlying problems. Now, listen, I have a personal interest in this, if we're honest about it. I had to fund my entire law school uh, on student loans, and uh, a small portion of my undergrad was that those I paid off a while back. Uh, but I still have one student loan. I've got another, I think, 13 years paying $475 a month. And another one I've got another year on for $320. And that one will be done in a year. And then I'll just be left with the $475 for, for another more than a decade. I haven't practiced law since 2006. And part of the reason that they're lasting so long is when I got out of law school, I was making forty two five out of law school at a, a firm in middle Georgia. And I could not afford the law school loan payments. In fact, when I was finally able to buy a house, my mortgage was less than my student loan payments. Up until four years ago, my mortgage was still less than my student loan payments. I got a lot of student loans, and I got the value from them. I went to college. I went to law school. And so I'm paying those debt obligations. And there are a lot of people who went to undergrad and they went to graduate school And they got student loans because they thought it would help them. And they got their degrees in puppetry arts where they learned to stick their hand up the backside of a puppet and make its mouth move. Um, And they're in debt for like $100,000. Not necessarily responsible, but now they want a bailout. It is deeply popular with younger voters. The problem is that it doesn't fix the underlying issue. 
universities and colleges in this country have seen costs escalate well above the rate of inflation. And they're not adding new courses. They're not adding new professors. They're not giving huge pay raises to existing professors. They're hiring new administrators and new staff. They're tacking on fees. I mean, look at the university of uh, university system in Georgia. They're raising tuition. They did not raise tuition last year, but they raised fees last year. They're raising fees again this year. Increasingly, the fees are the expensive part of, of school. You know, I mean, tuition is, is ridiculously expensive, but a lot of universities, they're freezing tuition and they're jacking up fees every year. So you're still paying more every year. And if you bail out people who have student loans, that doesn't fix the problem. It only provides universities more incentive to jack up costs. It only provides colleges more incentive to add more bureaucrats. I mean, the same thing with this free thing. So I, I did the a youth leadership experience with the American Council in Germany, wonderful organization, went to Munich and Berlin for a week, met with a lot of uh, young German leaders in business and politics. And you can go to college in Germany for free. And to a person in this group, every single one of them, and we're not talking conservatives here. We're, there were some conservative Germans in the group. There, there were very progressive Germans in the group. But to a person, all of them hated the idea of free college. In fact, several of them said they actually left Germany to go to college to countries where they had to pay to go to college because they got better educations, because they were surrounded with people who cared, uh, that the value of the college degree actually meant something as opposed to you can float in and out of college whenever you like because you're not paying for it. Maybe you'll get a degree, maybe you won't, uh, and no one's really sure what work you put in. No one seems to care. Uh, a free college experience sounds great on paper, but it is an awful experience in practice. And you don't have to believe me. Go tour uh, parts of Europe where it is free, and you will find that the people who are most successful are the ones who left their countries and paid to go to college. We're not going to change that situation here. There are people who don't need to go to college, and perhaps we put too much value on a college degree in this country, particularly as elementary and secondary education in this country has become garbage. Uh, you, you actually have to go to go to remedial classes, many people, when they go to college before they can actually get their degree, and the degree means something. Maybe we put too much value on it. We should value community college and technical education more, but we're arguing over what could be, not what is. What is right now is we have a federally subsidized student loan system that can't be gotten rid of through a bankruptcy process that has allowed and indebted students to, uh, allowed students to grow in debt while universities have no incentive to rein in costs. And it deeply is hurting a generation of Americans. And the solution is not to forgive those loans. It is not to bail out those people. There do need to be uh, incentives in place to rein in the, the rate of inflation in college. I mean, look, former Texas Governor Rick Perry, when he was governor of Texas, campaigned on the idea of a $10,000 college degree in Texas. And universities and colleges ridiculed the idea that they could not give kids a valuable education with a $10,000 a year degree. And that struck a lot of people, including him and me, as universities and administrators believe that the more expensive the college, the more prestigious the degree. It really doesn't matter. In fact, you, you talk to a lot of employers and they get better work ethic out of someone who went to the University of Georgia than went to Harvard. The kids putting in the work who went to the University of Georgia to earn it. The kid who went to Harvard is resting on family family merit and or lack of family merit, the family name and, and whatnot, and the name of the university.
work ethic should matter. What the federal government should do is they should get out of the student loan business altogether. If the federal government stops subsidizing student loans, it will drive up the cost of student loans and drive down the incentive to get student loans. That will force the industry to restructure. At the same time, if the federal government gets out of it, it will force colleges and universities to restructure. I suspect we are in a college bubble, and in the college bubble, uh, we're about to see a lot of colleges and universities go bankrupt, as they should. There are probably too many in the United States right now. Uh, we have created an economic incentive for colleges and universities to explode by having such a high expectation for people to have a college degree to get a job in this country. One of the other things that the federal government should do is they should go back to allowing students to discharge their student loans in bankruptcy. I don't know if you know this. this is one of the, the bad things that the Bush administration did in the 2000s, one of which I was vehemently opposed to at the time is banks got Congress to restructure bankruptcy law to prohibit students from discharging student loans. And the theory at the time is that if you prevent students from discharging student loans so they always have to pay the debt, well, then the interest rates will probably come down because they're fairly well a secured loan at that point, even though there's no collateral because they can't get rid of the debt. But that's not what happened. You're giving banks a handout. You, you have basically taken the actual cost out of the marketplace. You need to put the student loan system back in the marketplace to make it more reasonable, and Congress needs to get out of it. Then there's the other problem is let's say Elizabeth Warren's plan were to pass, and I don't think it would, by the way. It's more than a trillion dollars is what it would cost. There's never been an appetite in Congress to do this. Even when the Democrats controlled everything, there wasn't an appetite to do this, although progressives floated the idea repeatedly. But l let's just say you did. What about the people who, like me, I, I've worked to pay off my student loans. I haven't, I haven't stopped paying on my loans. I'm still paying on my loans. Do I get a refund? What about my wife, who's already paid off all of her student loans? Does she get something out of this? Or is this only for, for future people? And if it's for future people uh, who are getting student loans, then there is no incentive for them not to get as many loans as possible. You're incentivizing them getting as much debt as possible. So where does it go? What's the reasonableness of this? And the Democrats don't have answers for this. Uh, and essentially, it's because, if we're honest about it, they're actually, this isn't a serious plan of theirs. What this plan is about is getting young people to vote for them. And Elizabeth Warren is trying to sound cool with all of her tweets about uh, Game of Thrones and all of her policy proposals now about getting rid of student loans. She's not really serious and she knows it'll never pass, but she's trying desperately to get young voters to like her. Okay, I went out of town this past weekend and I did not have my butterfly pillow. And it's actually called my butterfly pillow. That's the product name. They sent me one and asked if I would review it. Gosh, it's been about a month ago. A uh, Georgia company, they sent it to me, asked if I wanted to review it. I fell in love with it. And then my kids stole it from me and I had to steal it back from my kids. So my butterfly pillow is kind of unique in that it is adjustable in more ways than one. It's got a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It has a built-in uh, night owl's Bluetooth speaker, so you can listen to music, sound, even smart TV. It, it, the height is adjustable. It's even got a great position for you for your arm if you're a side sleeper. I love my butterfly pillow. 
you will love my butterfly pillow. I went out of town this weekend and I didn't take it with me and very much missed it. It has become my go-to napping pillow. Listeners to the Eric Erickson show get $30 off the list price of $129. You use code Eric, E-R-I-C-K at checkout. You'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com, enter the code Eric at checkout to save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is Eric. Now, how's about we go to the phones? Matt in Roswell, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. I think the emphasis in college is all wrong right now. Kids are looking at the experience and schools are looking at, you know, having a football team, having apartments that were better than my first apartment when I got out of school, dorm rooms that are, are better than anything you and I had. I know for a fact they have better dorm rooms than you and I had when, uh, <laughs> yeah. when we were in school. And um, I look at things like Khan Academy. My oldest daughter's in school now, and she's always going to Khan Academy to, to do her education. And it's kind of like Goodwill Hunting where he says, hey, I, you could have bought that education in library fines. I feel like Khan Academy does a great job of delivering education efficiently, mm-hmm. and I don't think that schools are doing that anymore. No, I don't think they are either. And plus, you, you've got the situation now. So many of them, you got to go and you got to get remedial classes when you just walk in the front door. And so much of this stuff. Does anyone really need a degree? I mean, I'm, this is going to get me hate mail, but do we? Does anybody really need to pay ninety thousand dollars for a women and gender studies degree that teaches you how to be angry and hate men? Well, if you if you went the free route, the problem is is you're going to get a bunch of people with degrees that aren't useful. People yeah. already had problems getting jobs in this last administration because they had degrees that weren't useful in the workplace. They should have gone and got a trade. Right. But now if you do that, everyone gets a women in gender studies degree, and then all of a sudden nobody is useful. That's ex- well said. Matt, thanks very much for that. Yes. I, I Listen, I, I don't mean to pick on the women in gender studies degree, but come on. Do you really need it? I mean, if you already feel oppressed, all you're doing is you're showing up and, and getting a degree that affirms your oppression. Uh, and it's not even true anyway. Oh, the hate mail. I've got. Listen, I, I, I have a bone to pick with these 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 sorts of classes. Um, I just think they're nonsensical. Uh, go go get a degree that actually contributes to improving humanity as opposed to getting a degree that shows you how terrible humanity is in your professor's eyes. Now, when we come back, we can move on to other things, including the fallout from the Mueller report continues as Democrats begin fighting amongst themselves. And Joe Biden's coming. Joe Biden's coming. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson. Joe Biden is coming. Joe Biden is coming. By the way, so I, I think I'm I'm finally willing to do a podcast. Everybody wants me to do a podcast. Uh, and I already podcast the show. And I was like, well, you get more listeners if you do a separate podcast. And I, and I finally figured out the podcast I need to do is I need to do my Game of Thrones reactions on like Monday because no one in my family cares and I'm desperate for someone to talk to about Sunday night, because every time something happened to someone, it's like, oh, no, I love that guy. He's going to die. It's very, very sad, and no one cares. 
you people don't care either, do you? But Joe Biden, he was going to announce tomorrow. Uh, he's put it off another day. And I'm not sure that he actually put it off another day. It's just a reporter had a scoop that he was going to do it on Wednesday. Now it's going to come Thursday. And there's all sorts of reports about chaos uh, behind the scenes that Biden's not sure he really wants to do it. He feels pressured to do it. And, and part of me just feels like these stories read as if they're the other campaigns writing the Joe Biden entry, not actually Joe Biden's campaign behind them. Uh, we got to talk about the Supreme Court and their case today. It was so stupid, it makes me mad, but we got to talk about it. First, I want to go to Ira in Stockbridge. Welcome to the Atlanta TV News. Hey, Eric. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. First of all, I'm a retired U.S. Army officer. I attended the University of North Carolina at Pembroke, uh, graduated December 1995. I was in the North Carolina National Guard that gave me uh, money for school. I had a track scholarship. I also have the uh, Army College Fund, if you will, and I work. So my school only costs $585 per semester to attend. So I had a little sacrifice in order to gain an education. Now, I have a problem <clears throat> with the preposterous idea to pander to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to voters to get student loans uh, forgiven. We all have had classmates in our past that, one, had uh, they acquired, you know, those easy to get, hard to pay, uh, high interest uh, credit cards. Mm -hmm. They also got student loans to pay those off. We've also had classmates who desired to live that lavish lifestyle mm -hmm. above, you know, the ramen noodle lifestyles that we usually had by getting the swanky off-post campus or off-campus right. crash pad to use uh, student loans for that to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. We've also had classmates that enjoy the perpetual party life, you know, that awesome spring break. I've had friends who would get student loans to try to afford their, their uh, spring break. Mm -hmm. Also, we've had students and classmates that would uh, elect to go to the expense of private schools or out-of-state uh, schools that require to pay humongous uh, out-of-state costs. And then also, finally, there was the undisciplined approach to achieving education, um, failing grades, people usually dropped out of college, their master's student debt, and now they expect someone to pay for it. I totally vehemently opposed to forgiving student debt. It's not fair. Uh, look, I, you, you are preaching, and I, I, I appreciate it. And you said it better than I could, uh, particularly given your background and, and what you did to get your degree. God bless you for it. Ira, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and I will confess that, so my third year in law school, so I worked for the hiring partner at my law firm, and the hiring partner at my firm also was in charge of firm parties. And he could take unopened bottles of liquor back to the liquor store and get his money back after these parties, but he couldn't take the cases of your back. So he would give them to me. And my friends and I, we had uh, we got more in our law school loans than we expected because the cost of the bar class went down. And instead of getting the money back, we used it and got a golf membership. <laughs> and we would hit golf balls and drink beer every afternoon after class because it was the third year in law school, which in and of itself is a scam. Definitionally, the third year of your law school, you shouldn't have to do a third year in law school. And you do. And you know what you do? You hit golf balls and drink beer all day because classes, nobody cares about them. You've already got your job. It's it's The whole thing is a ridiculous farce. Can I just, as an aside here, my sister came over several weeks ago to visit. And she brought with her a folder that contained my grandmother's handwritten recipes. And my grandmother was a nurse. She was not a great cook. 
There were some things she made that were very good. Uh, she made a, a great buttermilk tea cake recipe, I re- recall. And she'd make pancakes every Sunday morning before church. She would always make pancakes. That was the tradition. But some of her recipes, I, I just, I, I found this one and it's perfect. She made a great praline recipe. Praline, some of you say, the praline recipe. Just she... <laughs> two cups sugar, two cups pecans, two third cups cream, one pinch soda. Remove from fire, add a pinch of salt, add a lump of butter, and drop by spoon on wax paper. That's the recipe, folks. That that that, <laughs> that is the recipe. I don't know how much salt. I don't know how big a lump of butter. I don't know what sort of fire she's t- I guess she <laughs> This is a woman who, when I was a kid, she tried to make spaghetti sauce in a pressure cooker. <laughs> it blew up. To this day, it looks like someone was murdered on her ceiling. It's just this red spot that uh, generations have now tried to paint over this red spot of spaghetti sauce, and it'll never go away. Oh, my goodness. Some of these recipes. Uh, this other recipe is for, for a tea cake. It, it is her tea cake recipe. I loved this cookie when I was a kid. Sift enough flour into a bowl to make a heavy batter. <laughs> There's no measurement. Just <laughs> Sift enough flour to make it heavy better. Oh, you got to love these generational recipes. Let's go back to the folds. James and Marietta, welcome. Hey, Eric. I, I just wanted to comment on the university talk. Um, so I I worked my way through college, and I had my first kid when I was 17. Now, I worked full-time, went to school full-time, and I raised my son. And... Like, I, I had the Pell Grant help me, but that's the only help I had. Mm-hmm. And it became somewhere between 400 was the lowest I paid and, like, 900 was the highest I paid. Mm-hmm. And I I graduated from KSU, and it, it just it, it baffles me that someone wants to take out the loans and get the build up the debt and take all that but then not pay it back. Right. It just baffles me. Yeah, it seems like it's it's the government is just encouraging irresponsibility in a, doing a program like this. Uh, and that there are so many responsible people out there who were willing to do the hard things. And I mean, listen, I, I'm no paragon of virtue when it comes to this. And I had to first do loans when I first got out of law school. We could not make ends meet. We were we were written. We weren't buying a house. We were written. Uh, I, I I had a a used car that was a used car from the person that I got it from. Uh, we couldn't afford much of anything, and we had to work to get to a point where we weren't having to constantly put our loans in forbearance or defer them. And there are a lot of people like that who do what they do, work during college. Um, I just, you know, there is a fair argument, I think, in some cases that college has gotten so expensive that your typical part-time job isn't going to pay for anything, but your part-time job can still pay for your living expenses and make good grades, get a scholarship, do something. But man, yes, the system is broken. I don't think any of us should deny the system is broken. And those of us who got out of college in the late 90s and the early 2000s, the system is much more financially harsh on students now than it was then. 
But this bailout, uh, get it, forgiving these student loans, I don't think it does anything other than incentivizes irresponsibility and does nothing to fix the actual problem, which is college tuition is increasing vastly higher than the rate of inflation in this country. And it is increasing not because colleges are offering new programs, but because they're adding new administrators and fancy buildings and, and got to pay for all the upkeep. I, I got to say, this is kind of aggravating. Um, President Trump has been invited by Queen Elizabeth II to a state visit in the UK on my birthday. Maybe I can swing a trip with him. I'll see. Uh, but the the little headline from CNN was not invited to stay at Buckingham Palace. They've now gotten rid of that little headline. Um, duh, Buckingham Palace is under renovation. That's why the, the Belgian suite where guests stay at Buckingham Palace is closed. Can't stay at Buckingham Palace. And yet they're trying to make it into a big deal. Just ridiculous. Even I know that. Good grief. Okay, back to the phones we go to James and Locust Grove. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I agree with you about the loan forgiveness thing. I worked hard to get my degree. But the problem that I foresee if the federal government discontinues the loan program is that what would happen is people like me who are teachers and chose education for go, for went that higher pay to go into education, mm-hmm. what would happen is that banks would turn us down because of our low income. That is, potentially yes. Uh, although I don't remember when I got a when I was getting student loans, I don't think I had to say what I was going for my degree. And you know, I, I don't think they should shut down the student loan industry. Just the federal government should stop subsidizing them and, and get it out of the bankruptcy code. And I think that would you would actually see the market self correct in doing something like that. Uh, yeah, I understand your point though. That if you're going into teaching, you're you're not going to have a high income. So how do you pay for that? But again, though. That's a, it's the underlying problem here is not the student loans. The underlying problem is that colleges and universities have been allowed because of the, the market distorting effects of subsidized student loans to increase tuition costs and fees outside the rate of inflation pretty significantly. And that's something we've got to deal with. And bailing out student loans doesn't solve that problem. Scott, indicator, welcome. Hey, I'm uh, calling about the, the, the tuition difference yeah. for me back in the 80s and the 90s uh, to now. Uh, someone from UGA called me a while back and says, oh, I want some, we want some dollars. And I'm like, no. Um, so, and I told them why. And the reason was that when I was in college, my roommate paid for, one of my roommates paid for her college almost entirely by herself. She had mm-hmm. like a few thousand dollars outstanding at the time when she finished. Um, and it was about $2,500 a year per year for tuition and fees only. Forget everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, fast forward to where we are now, we are more than double the inflation-adjusted amount mm-hmm. of what tuition should cost from that point, from that baseline. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and, and you're right. The, the, the underlying uh, the cause of it all is the uh, the 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 loan backing that has occurred from the uh, federal government. It's, it, the whole, it has been so market distorting and everything. And, and then, you know, there, there's also this incentive with uh, universities and colleges. They they go through these capital improvement programs where they do massive builds on campus. And then part of your fees have to go to maintain everything that they built. And yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Matt, who called in earlier, he and I went to Mercer together uh, in the the mid-90s, the campus is completely different and much bigger than it was then. 
It's fantastic. Tuition has gone up dramatically as well. Uh, it gets very expensive, and that's one of the more responsible schools when it comes to to tuition increases. It just the market has been so distorted. Bailouts won't solve that problem. We'll have to keep doing more bailouts. I have a minor housekeeping issue for you all that I think you all should know about. Uh, and it, Ford Fry, you, you've got to know Ford Fry. Ford Fry has a series of restaurants around the Atlanta area. Uh, and every single one of them is a delicious restaurant. Uh, Beetle Cat, Marcel, is, you've got uh, Superica, I, the El Felix, uh, they've got an at Avalon and at the Battery. The Optimist, if you need seafood in Atlanta, go to the Optimist. King and Duke up in Buckhead is fantastic. St. Cecilia is the one that I have not been to uh, in Buckhead. And there's number 246 in Decatur. Uh, JCT Kitchen has my favorite lunch in the city. Well, other than Mar- Marcel, so Marcel Atlanta, which is over on the west side, it, it's in the same area where JCT Kitchen is, have great burgers during the day, fantastic uh, veal parmesan at night. But JCT Kitchen, if I have a meeting during the day in Atlanta, I typically have it at JCT Kitchen because I otherwise never have an opportunity to go over there, and they have this this wood-grilled chicken sandwich. It's just fantastic. All of his restaurants are fantastic, and he now has a cookbook out, and I'm very happy for him. Uh, it is called Tex-Mex. Uh, in fact, there's a book signing tonight I was invited to go to, and I got a dinner I'm going to, so I couldn't make it. But uh, I, I have not gotten a copy. I bought my copy. Uh, I'm not getting a review copy because this is a copy I, I want to keep. Uh, I have seen a preview of, of some of the pages in there, and you just – if you want a good uh, at-home Tex-Mex cookbook, and I do – uh, Tex-Mex by Ford Fry. It is out uh, today is actually the release date. So I, the only reason I thought about this, I got a, a text message from UPS that my package had been delivered from Amazon. I was like, what is that? And it's it's the Tex-Mex book from Ford Fry. So go out, buy that book, go to Amazon. It's literally just put in Ford Fry, F-R-Y, and uh, Tex-Mex is the name of the book. It has some great recipes in it from what I've seen so far. I am very, very excited to get this cookbook. And nice to support a local cookbook author and restaurateur whose restaurants are fabulous. We need to discuss the United States Supreme Court now and the census. There was a – I've got to say, this this case is stupid. It had no business being at the Supreme Court, and it's there because of left-wing activist judges. The – uh, the Trump administration decided to put back into the census a question on whether or not you are an American citizen. And the left filed a lawsuit. Now, I want to read you uh, something real quick. Uh, I should have pulled this up ahead of time. Uh, okay. Yes, I want to read you part of the 14th Amendment. Uh, because I think it's, it's very important. L- listen to this. Representatives, this is Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. 
Representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, excluding Indians not taxed. But when the right to vote at any election for the choice of electors for President and Vice President of the United States, representatives in Congress, the executive and judicial officers of a state, or the members of the legislature thereof, is denied to any of the male inhabitants of such state being 21 years of age and citizens of the United States, or in any way abridged except for participation in rebellion or other crimes, the basis of representation therein shall be reduced in proportion which the number of such male citizens shall bear on the whole number of male citizens 21 years of age in such state. Notice the reference again and again to citizen, to citizen there. You kind of need to have an idea of how many citizens you have in this country because of the second uh, section of the 14th Amendment. And now here's the argument from the left that the government they had they actually argue that the government has every right to require information about citizenship but that they should not ask it in the census. They shouldn't ask it in the census. That's the left's argument. Why they shouldn't ask it a little well it won't blow your mind. It should be obvious to you. So the left is afraid that illegal aliens and legal immigrants won't answer honestly. If you ask the citizenship question that they, they may not entertain the census worker. You know what? You're required by law to answer the census worker. In fact, I went um, and they sent me at my house the detailed census, the one that asked you even how many toilets you have. in your. This is the crazy thing. So uh, under federal law, they will ask you how many toilets you have in the house, but the left doesn't want to know how many citizens you have in the house. And I didn't fill out the form. I, the federal government does not need to know how many toilets I have in my house. And yet they sent it, sent a second time and I didn't fill it out. And they sent it a third time. And then they decided to send somebody to the house to ask me to show up. And, you know, if I didn't answer the person's questions, I could go to jail for failing to comply with the census. Listen, if there's a problem, it's not the question, it's the people. And I don't mean that disparagingly. If you can't answer the question to the census worker who has no power to detain you, who has no power to arrest you, who is there only for information, if you're not going to answer the question, it's not the question's fault. It's your fault. And if you're that paranoid, well, then tough. Deal with it. And by the way, in states that have incentivized the housing of illegal aliens in sanctuary cities, if they get hurt in the census, I'm not very sympathetic to it. I'm really not. But it's ridiculous that we had to have this argument in the United States Supreme Court. The census citizenship question was asked until the 1950s and has been asked by the federal government in other ways through other methods ever since. I mean, the whole idea that the federal government can't ask in the census. I mean, I just read you the second section of the 14th Amendment, which is critical to enforcing the Voting Rights Act. It requires a citizenship question as part of a census, it does. That's why it was asked up until the late 50s. And then the, the federal government decided they were going to do statistical sampling. No, the actual Constitution requires you have to do a head count. We had that fight. See, the Democrats wanted didn't want to have to go out and actually count and knock on doors. They wanted statistical sampling because they didn't really want an accurate number. They wanted a statistical sample of how many people were in the country. They lost on that. So now they're coming, oh, we, we, can't, we can't ask the... The question about citizenship. Y'all, yes, do I sound, yes, I'm aggravated. 
I don't want to sound Sean Hannity on the radio and just just constantly be be yelling in the microphone about it. But it's stupid. It really is stupid. It's stupid that the courts thought that they had the power to decide this issue. If the the Constitution gives the federal government the right to do a census, we have asked the question of citizenship in multiple censuses for decades and decades and decades, and suddenly we didn't, and now we're doing it again. And oh my gosh, you can't do it now. It's unconstitutional because illegal aliens might not actually respond. By the way, it just it, for your information, the census requires the total number of adults be counted. It doesn't matter whether they're legal or illegal under federal law. Uh, it's total number of adults. So your congressional representation is based on total number of adults in a county or, or in, a, in a congressional area, congressional districts. So if the illegal aliens aren't answering the question, California may lose a seat in Congress. And that will then impact what? The Electoral College. There are real implications here. But again, the issue is not the question. The issue is the people answering the question. So California, why don't you invest some resources and convince these illegal aliens in your sanctuary cities to actually answer the question? It's not like they're going to get rounded up and deported when they answer it. So do it. But then California would have to admit that much of its representation and power in this country is coming not from legal aliens or citizens, but from the illegal aliens they've allowed to stay in their cities. Y'all, let me just take a quick time out to tell you how much I love my Quip Electric Toothbrush. Now, I know if you listen to any podcast, you're probably going to hear an ad for Quip or Harry's or different mattresses and stuff. I'm actually a Quip user and have been for about three years now. In fact, my Quip toothbrush broke two weeks ago. I've had it for several years now, and I broke it. I wasn't paying attention when I changed the brush head. Completely my fault. <laughs> um, uh, and I had to get a new one. And in the meantime, I had to go to the grocery store and get a new toothbrush. And I wasn't going to pay for one of those cheapy vibrating toothbrushes, and I certainly wasn't going to pay for one of the multi-hundred-dollar vibrating toothbrushes because I went online, ordered my new Quip, and had to wait for it a couple days to come in. But my goodness, um, it just use a quip and you can see the difference. In fact, I go to the orthodontist now because I've got the Invisalign braces and he keeps asking me when I started bleaching my teeth and he's asked me every time I've gone in and I don't, I just use the quip. It's that good. It vibrates, it pulses every 30 seconds so you get an even cleaning after two minutes, it turns itself off. The thing sells itself. Uh, I love my quip and it starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You'll get your first refill pack. That is your first brush head. Every three months you get a new brush head. First one's free if you go to getquip.com slash Eric and you get a free with a Quip Electric Toothbrush. And again, only $25. So you get your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. You will not find a better toothbrush out there at this point. I'm convinced. I love my Quip. So I had a listener who has my cell phone text me and say, hey, can you send me a link to that Ford Fry cookbook. I'd like to order it. And I thought, you know, I, I bet there are others out there who probably will. Uh, but there's something else I want to tell you about. Uh, you know, so I've got an, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old daughter, 10-year-old son. And of course, we're already into summer planning mode. And last year, I took my son bowling. And a person who was there had his kids bowling. And he asked if we were using the Kids Bowl Free program. I had never heard of this program and I signed my kid, both of my kids up for it. And yes, it is, is kids bowl free. And essentially, and I looked, there are bowling alleys in the Metro Atlanta area that participate in this where during the summer months, 
your kids can do two free games of bowling uh, during the summer. Uh, and it is, it's, it's each day. So you get two free games of bowling each day of the kids bowl free program all summer long, which is a really good deal. I had never heard of this program. He had seen it on Fox and friends. And so I signed up for my kids and, and there's a bowling alley, uh, not two miles from our house and can take the kids bowling for free. And then you get a discount as a parent, you pay for the parent. Uh, it, it is, it's really an awesome program and you pick the bowling alley you want to go to and all that. Um, it's kids bowl free. I think, uh, kids is the website, but for, for those of you who, who can't, uh, pull up you want to order Ford fries, cookbook, Tex-Mex, uh, or, or you want to do this, uh, my, my, my ability to do things useful for you is, is this text WSB to three, four, five, three, four, five. And I'm going to send you a link uh, to Ford Fry's book on Amazon and to the Kids Bowl free website. If that's something you're interested in this summer for your kids, uh, text WSB to 345345. Use text to message if you're driving or, or voice to message if you're driving. Um, but I'll, I'll send you back a link uh, while you're while you're in your car. So when you get home, you've got the Amazon link for Ford Fry's Tex-Mex cookbook and you've got the website for Kids Bowl Free. So if you've got kids uh, and you want to go bowling this summer and not have to pay for them to bowl, that's a way to do it. I'm just I, I love the program this past summer. So I signed my kids up the other day for this coming summer. Now that my daughter has decided she's not so cool that she won't bowl with us, she'll actually do it. When we come back, Kamala Harris and the Boston Bomber. It is Eric Erickson here Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Again, just real quick, if you're interested in signing your kids up for the Kids Bowl free program that I signed my kids up for, I'm not getting a commission or kickback or anything. I just, I, I didn't even know such a thing existed, and apparently some of you did. Um, or if you want Ford Fry's new cookbook, I'm really excited about it. Love to support local restaurants, local chefs. I realize he's from Houston, but still, he he's here. Uh, he, he's an Atlanta boy now. Uh, text WSB to 345345, and I'll send you links back to both uh, an Amazon link for Ford's cookbook and to Kids Bowl Free, uh, their website, so you can sign your kids up, order the cookbook, uh, have a Tex-Mex day at a, at a local bowling alley. That would be exciting. <laughs> Okay, I got to play two audio clips for you. Um, Charlie does not like for me to give extended commentary on these clips before I play them. So I'm just going to play the audio. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. We're going into these blind. I haven't even heard the clips. I told him what to get and I haven't listened. So if they're wrong, then it's his fault. It's not my fault. And we can fire him if my wife gives me permission. Uh, But we're going to play both of these and then we're going to discuss them. Senator Bernie Sanders said that uh, that he is in favor of felons being able to vote while serving in prison. He's, he was asked specifically about people like the Boston Marathon bomber, also people who are convicted of sexual assault. And he said, this is a quote, the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people 
should, um, should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote, which is the case in so many states in our country, in some states permanently deprived of the right to vote. And these are policies that go back to Jim Crow. These are policies that go back to the heart of, of policies that have been about disenfranchisement, policies that continue until today, and we need to take it seriously. But, but people who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. Uh, we should have a conversation on this, if the Boston bomber should be allowed to vote. The Boston Marathon bomber. This is Kamala Harris, who wants to be president of the United States, and they're bouncing off of this. As it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what Wait, wait. Can we just, can we pause for a moment and note that the senator from Vermont did not say murder. He said Myrtle. Uh, what does Myrtle have to do with this? Happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote, or that person did that, not going to let that person vote, you're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. You know what else is an inherent right in our democracy, according to the Bill of Rights? The right to keep and bear arms. Hey, let's arm the prisoners. This is insane. This is this is genuinely bat crap crazy, people. This this is nuts. You you've now got the Democrats saying that we should allow mass murderers and terrorists if they're in an American jail. Having been found guilty, we're not talking about people who are in jail waiting to be uh, charged with the crime or prosecuted for the crime or, or, or not yet found guilty. We're talking about people who've been found guilty, who are in prison. Should Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the, the Murrow Federal Building in Oklahoma City, have been allowed to vote in jail, in prison, in federal prison? This is where the Democrats are. How much more radical can they get? Can we just go back real quick to this Kamala Harris clip? Because I have a question. Senator Bernie Sanders said that uh, that he is in favor of felons being able to vote while serving in prison. He's, he was asked specifically about people like the Boston Marathon bomber, also people who are convicted of sexual assault. And he said, this is a quote, the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. Is she drinking? Because she sounds, I mean, is that just the way she talks? Because the, the words were kind of slurred together there. I'm just, I'm, I'm not alone in that because I'm paying attention to some of your tweets and several of you are like, uh, is that the way she normally talks? I have no idea. But, I mean, I think you got to be drinking to suggest that the Boston Marathon bomber 
or Timothy McVeigh or or Charles Manson, for that matter, should have a constitutional right to vote. You know what happens when you go to prison for doing bad things? You lose your constitutional rights. That's the way it works. That's the way it's always worked. I mean, to suggest that that somehow you get to continue participating in society once we've locked you away for harming society is actually rather insane. This, I, I don't even know how to respond to this because, I mean, normal people can't seriously think this, can they? And yet here are Democratic presidential candidates, arguably the front runner, Bernie Sanders, saying that, yes, you should be able to. Now, notice that Kamala Harris actually, oh, we should have a conversation about this. She doesn't really, she's a former prosecutor. She doesn't really want to say it, but she hasn't poll tested the Democrats yet to see if they've lost every last bit of their mind. So she's got to say we should have a conversation about it. She doesn't really want to do this either. And she's got to be sitting up there saying, what is Bernie thinking? But she can't say it. I would love it if Joe Biden, when he announces on Thursday, comes out and says, this is insane, people. This is insane. You know, he wants to. You know, Biden wants to come out and he wants to be the grown up in the room and say, you know what? But a judge, great guy. You're a mayor. You're not qualified any more than Trump. Kamala, go back to the Senate. Elizabeth, what are you thinking with this India stuff? Bernie, you're a commie. Get out. You just you know that Biden wants to come out on Thursday and be the grown up in the room. The, the question is, I think he could beat Trump. I don't know that Biden can win the Democratic primary. They've gone so far left. It's going to be fascinating to see how Biden comes out of the gate on Thursday into this madness. One more housekeeping item again, uh, not to be repetitious, but uh, if you text WSB to 345345, I'll send you back the Amazon link for Fort Fry's uh, new cookbook, Tex-Mex. Uh, great restaurants here in town. Uh, wonderful, wonderful author and chef. And also the Kids Bowl free link you can get. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great night.